At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. You can work from the road while turning your vehicle into a powerful high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls. Finish up that presentation or answer last-minute emails. Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to see if you're eligible for a free trial today. Based on independent third-party data, always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Welcome to the Hornets Hivecast, presented by Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. Here's your host, Rob Longo. Hi, friends, and welcome to today's edition of the Hornets Hivecast, the official podcast of the Charlotte Hornets, brought to you by Senta. Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates are the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Hornets. It's a game day edition of the HHC here as the Hornets look to remain hot at home at the Hive against one of the hotter teams in the NBA since the All-Star break. That is the Dallas Mavericks. Going to be a big one tonight here at Spectrum Center. If you plan on joining us and don't have your tickets yet, of course, you can check those out at Hornets.com or through the Hornets app, but plenty to talk about in that one we got some other stuff to talk about today too we're going to do a little bit of scoreboard watching what we're looking for tonight and some of the other games around the association and there has been a parade of 50 point games here in the nba this season specifically in the month of march as well it's been really crazy with some of these numbers of some of these people have been putting up so we will dive into that here in just a few moments and i say we because i am joined today by sam farber and sam we got you on a little bit of a minutes restriction today so i appreciate you letting me host this one as we try to get you rested up and ready to go for tonight but let's begin with that topic I just referenced it has been a crazy amount of people that have scored 50 or more points so far in the month of March in games some people have already even done it twice so this could be potentially a record-breaking month for the NBA the record for most 50 point performances or more in a month stands over 60 years it happened last time in December of 1962 there were nine 50 point games recorded there have already been eight this month the latest is Sadiq Bay in a winning effort in Orlando 51 point performance in that contest. It's just been crazy what everybody has been able to accomplish this month already, Sam. Before we get into how it kind of pertains to the Hornets specifically, I would just want to get your thoughts on some of the great offensive performances we've already seen around the NBA this month. Well, it's impressive, and these are the best players in the world, so no shock that uh, these things happen. Honestly, I'm surprised that the record is that old. I was very surprised to learn that you have to go back to 1962 to find nine 50-point performances in a month just because the game has really become so centered around stars now that you have players 
like a Kyrie Irving, like a Kevin Durant, like a LeBron James, who are going to get the kind of shots necessary per game to get that total. Also wouldn't be surprised to learn that if 1962, all nine of those games belonged to Wilt Chamberlain, because that's around the time he averaged 50 per game for a season. But nevertheless, it's a huge number to reach in an individual game. The way the Hornets play is not necessarily conducive to making those numbers, but some days that's for the betterment for the team. A lot of days, it quite frankly, is because those players that can do that are rare, and if you're reliant on them scoring 50, that probably means that if they don't, you're in a little bit of trouble. So it's a great accomplishment for Sadiq Bay. something for the Pistons fans to be excited about looking ahead, but we'll see if uh, number nine comes tonight, maybe for the Hornets That would be more exciting, certainly, than Luka Doncic doing it for Dallas. Would certainly help the cause for the Hornets tonight. And, of course, we'll get into our game preview a little bit later. And you were on to something there, Sam, saying that all nine were scored by Wilt Chamberlain. In fact, six of them were from Wilt Stilt when he was playing for the San Francisco Warriors back then. The other three belong to Elgin Baylor of the Los Angeles Lakers in that month. So just some great legendary performances by some giants of the game. Here's the list of players that have already scored 50 or more in the month of March. You have Kyrie Irving. He's done it twice. He scored 60 back on March 15th, and then, of course, he had that 50-point performance as well against the Hornets. Then you go to March 14th, just the day before. Carl Anthony Towns, he dropped a 60-piece as well. LeBron has had 56. Jason Tatum has had 54. LeBron James had another 50-point performance as well. It's crazy what these guys have been able to accomplish already, and, of course, they are giants of the game as well. That poses my question to you, Sam. Who is the Hornet that would most likely be able to join the 50-point club? Honestly, my best answer is nobody, and that's not saying that no one on this team is capable of it, but the way they run their offense, you just don't see players getting the kind of shot volume that would be necessary to have that kind of performance. I mean, really, if you're going to score that much in a game, you've got to be taking somewhere in the neighborhood of 25 shots in the contest. And most of the time, in the last few days, Terry Rozier has topped out somewhere around 17. He has been the leading shot taker. You know, we referenced Will Chamberlain before from that, you know, last time there were nine in a month. Around that time, Wilt was routinely having 40-plus attempts per game. It was a very different game at that time. But, you know, that's the kind of volume he had to have, as great as he was, to reach those kinds of totals. And I think for the Hornets here, you just don't see it. But if there had to be somebody, I guess if Terry Rozier was knocking down 90% of his shots, even he would have a, a, a possibility of getting there, even with a reduced shot volume. But that would be compared to like Walt Chamberlain or someone like that, that is to say. But I, I guess he would be my guess that Terry Rozier is the best bet seeing as he is the one taking the most shots for the Hornets right now. Certainly a good pick. I would have to agree with you there, but of course, Rob rules are in effect. So if I had to pick somebody, I mean, I think the second closest to a guy that can score in bunches compared to Terry Rozier would probably be Kelly Oubre. I know he comes off the bench, but, you know, we saw how hot he can get from beyond the arc in that Indiana game back in January where, you know, he just lit it up. So, I mean, you would need a record-breaking performance from Kelly like that on top of another record-breaking performance to even get close to a 50-point performance. But I certainly agree with you. I mean, I think that the team just does such a great job of sharing the ball that nobody needs to go out and score 50 points. Everybody is well-balanced. Everybody can attack the rim. Of course, LaMelo Ball loves getting his teammates involved, so certainly would make sense that Charlotte would not see a 50-point performance. And like you mentioned, I think that would just be, it would be better off not seeing a 50-point performance from somebody in purple and teal rather than seeing it because 
that means that nobody else is really sharing the workload or putting forth probably a good shooting effort on that day if we had to be honest because it's just going to end up being somebody taking over. Now, I understand if a player gets hot, you're trying to find them a little bit more often and that's fine, but still, even that amount of volume I don't think is ever going to get to that way because you just have to be such a dynamic player to score 50 points in a contest. You really have to be able to score at all three facets of the game and you have to be a great free throw shooter as well. You have to be able to drive, have to be able to draw contact. You have to switch it up, really. I mean, that's basically what it comes down to or a team is just going to key on you the entire day. So I guess the final question before we move on to this segment, Sam, for you would be, is that record of nine 50-point games in a month going to fall? Still plenty of basketball to be played. Is somebody going to tie it or break it? Are we going to see two more 50-point performances? I think it does fall. I think there's just such a gluttony of outstanding players in the NBA. It's a time of year where not every team is playing for the same things and quite frankly some teams that are playing for things like say the Brooklyn Nets who have two dynamic all-time great scorers they're liable to go for it so I think with this much time left and only one more needed to tie it two to break it I think it does end up falling one more note on the Hornets the only player that I can think of this year that was anywhere near it was Gordon Hayward against San Antonio and he had 41 through three quarters and then sat the fourth quarter resting up for the remainder of the road trip but when you think back to that game most of the team was hurt. They were really down a lot of players. Lamelo Ball wasn't playing in that one. I'm not sure. I don't think Terry Rozier was available. It was basically the team had to lean on a superstar, and Gordon Hayward had to play that role, and he came through to help the Hornets across the finish line and get that big win on the road. But outside of that one, I don't think the Hornets have been close. I think, to the team's credit, the best answer you can give is either, A, no one's liable to do it, or B, the odds are equally spread across six or seven guys. If you told me, you know, Kelly Oubre got hot for a half and made 10 threes, I wouldn't be shocked by it, nor would I be shocked if you said the same thing for LaMelo Ball or Terry Rogier or Miles Bridges or any number of players on this team. So that that's what makes them fun. And that's a, certainly a good problem to have, too. And you referenced that Gordon game. Man, that feels like ages ago, doesn't it? But it's just crazy how many twists and turns there are in an NBA season because we completely forgot about a 41-point performance. So I guess that's a good problem to have when you have just so much talent spread out across the team. So we'll see what happens. We would love to hear what you have to say about it. I think it might fall, too. It's definitely not out of the question. Still, like I said, plenty of basketball to be played here over the next couple of weeks here in the month of March. And of course it is March, so there's always a little bit of added mayhem, if you will, in this month just when it comes to the game of basketball. Coming up next, though, we have to do a little bit of scoreboard watching tonight. A couple of games that impact the Hornets. We'll tell you about those next here on the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta. I could have gotten my hearing aids anywhere, but going to a doctor who could find a set that fit my lifestyle was a good idea. Music sounds as clear now as when I listen to it on cassette tapes. Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates offers a wide variety of hearing aids. With affordable pricing and credit options, our patients can find hearing care that is right for them. Hear like you once did. Call 704-295-3000 to schedule an appointment. Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates. They just make sense. It's a game day edition of the HHC here with Sam Farber and Rob Longa. Glad you could join us on today's edition of the Hornets Hivecast. Sam, of course, we'll get into our game preview here in just a couple of moments, but I want to take a look at some of the games that we're taking a look at around the NBA that have a little bit more of an added impact to the Hornets. We have Detroit in Cleveland tonight. 
as those two teams square off. Also, we have the Lakers and Washington taking on the Wizards. That also pertains to the magic number as well. Three out of those four teams will also be on the second night of a back-to-back. Cleveland will be on a back-to-back. Lakers and Washington both played last night as well, so Detroit is the only real fresh team there in the quadrant of teams. So, Sam, I just wanted to get your take real quick on what these games mean to the Hornets and what we can look for. Well, I think in both cases, the teams that we're watching, they're, they're kind of on the periphery right now. I don't know that it's an objects in rearview mirror or closer than they may appear type of situation when you're looking at Washington, but it certainly feels that way at this point. They've hit on harder times. The Hornets' uh, three-game win streak has certainly helped spread the distance between themselves and Washington. But as we learned last year, until the magic number is zero, we're not counting anyone out. The Hornets basically had to win you know, one or two games for – two and a half weeks at the end of last season or needed Washington to lose one and neither happened and the Wizards ended up uh, surging in front of the Hornets and Charlotte ended up in the 9-10 playing game against Indiana instead of a better fate. So Lakers at Washington won tonight that I've got my eye on just because there is that outside possibility that Washington makes up some of this gap and makes a run here at the Hornets. I don't think it's likely, but again, till the magic number is zero, we're not counting it out. And on the other side, Detroit at Cleveland. Cleveland has also run into some injury issues as of late, as you indicated. They'll be on night two of a back-to-back. Not sure how much of an impact that has against Detroit, but the injuries probably have a more of an impact than the night two of a back-to-back aspect of it. In any case, Cleveland's got a sizable gap on the Hornets, roughly four games ahead of Charlotte at this stage. Even if they were to lose and the Hornets were to win, I don't know that that puts the Cavs necessarily in striking distance just yet, but it means that they're not out of reach mathematically by any stretch. So a couple of games there to watch for for the Hornets tonight. Something that you kind of alluded to a little bit there, Sam, is the thing that I'm looking for in this aspect. You mentioned Cleveland. I mean, you can only do so much when you have so many injuries. I mean, you talk about Darius Garland has missed time. Jared Allen is out. Colin Sexton, of course, earlier in the season out for the year. Ricky Rubio as well. They made some trades trying to just kind of bring some fresh blood into there as well and make a run at this thing. It just really hasn't happened because of all of the injuries they've had. They're four and six in their last 10 heading into Friday's contests. But the thing that I look at here, Sam, is that they have the same exact record at the beginning of business on Friday. Again, a little inside baseball. We're recording this one a little ahead of time so we can enjoy our Friday evenings but both teams Cleveland and Toronto have the same record at 39 and 30 and they're kind of going in opposite directions Raptors heading into Friday seven and three in their last 10 they've won five in a row Cleveland like I mentioned four and six in their last 10 so they're kind of going in opposite directions a little bit so I guess the reason why that game means so much from a Hornet standpoint with the game that Cleveland has tonight against Detroit is just simply for the fact that we could very well see Cleveland in the playing tournament rather than Toronto it's definitely a possibility although again I, I don't rule out entirely the opportunity to catch either Toronto or Cleveland. If you'd asked me you know, a week and a half ago, I'd say there's no way the Hornets are catching Cleveland. Toronto's the one you got to target now. As you indicated, those two teams have kind of switched their, uh, their trajectories here, and so Cleveland's falling a bit. It requires a lot of wins for the Hornets. I think even to get up to eight to catch Brooklyn, you need some luck on your side. But Charlotte, uh, you're right. You know, Cleveland coming back down to earth could result in a play-in tournament matchup either in the 7-8 game or maybe that second play-in game if the Hornets win the 9-10 and Cleveland loses in the 7-8 
we'll see how it all shakes out later on down the line. It's interesting because I, I don't know exactly who you want to play more, Toronto or Cleveland. I think at this stage for the Hornets, it's all about just how you're playing. Worry less about the matchups. Worry more about your style and the substance of your play heading into the postseason. It doesn't really matter, like you said, because it just matters if you're peaking at the right time. That's the biggest thing about playing basketball this time of year is if you could be like Miami, you could be 22 games over 500, but if you're not playing good basketball, which they are right now, it doesn't really mean much when you get into a seven-game playoff series. Normally, more times than not, that better team does prevail in a best of seven, but that might not be the case for these teams that are seven through ten. It's a one-game winner-go-home playoff, and sometimes you get a second crack at it if you're in that seven and eight game, but for the most part, I mean, it's kind of NCAA tournament-esque. I mean, we've seen it already with a couple of upsets with some teams where if you don't play really well, you're going to go home early, so that's something to consider. The one more question I will ask you here, Sam, before we move on. I know you're only a math minor, but I'm going to ask you to do a little bit of quick math here. The Hornets have 12 games remaining. What do they have to do in those 12 games to have an outside shot of maybe even catching Toronto or Cleveland and cracking that top six? Oh, to get to the top six? Oh, my gosh. Uh, that's tough. Ten and I, two? I, well, for one, you need one of those teams, both those teams really, uh, to to fall flat. You know, if you're going to get to six, both Cleveland and Toronto need to fall back quite a bit. Uh, I'm thinking in their final 13 games, maybe going four and nine might open the door a little bit. Even then, you're looking at the Hornets going nine and three in this final stretch, and that, that's a lot to ask for even if they're playing well. So I think to e- even have a remote possibility, nine wins has to be achieved here by the Hornets in the final 12. As the team gets healthier, if Gordon Hayward's back, I think it becomes more of a possibility, but certainly would shine a bigger spotlight on tonight. Getting to the eighth spot, that's easier. That's easier accomplished. And even the seventh spot, because then you're only counting on one between Cleveland and Toronto falling apart. But to say that they're both going to do it, that's a lot to ask, I think. I'm trying to be optimistic here, Sam. Quit putting me down. So with that said, what would be more realistic with that seven and eight matchup? What would they need to do the crack into that top eight? Well, to get there, it, it depends, honestly, a lot more, I think, on what the city of New York does moving forward. If they continue with the protocols the way they are and Kyrie Irving cannot play at home, that's a huge impact because the Nets have more home games remaining than road games. They're five games under 500 at home to this point, seven games over 500 on the road. I think that could be the bigger issue here. So it still requires the Hornets to play winning basketball. Atlanta's not that far away from Charlotte. So they're going to certainly have a chance to vibe for a better spot as well. But I think, you know, passing Brooklyn is going to be about as much what the Nets do not have available to them in Kyrie Irving at home as what the Hornets were able to do in their own performances. Going to be a fun couple of weeks remaining in the season. Still a lot to be determined and a lot of important basketball to be played. And of course, there is an important game tonight here at Spectrum Center as the Hornets take on the Dallas Mavericks. We'll go ahead and preview that matchup with you next here on the Hornets Hivecast presented by Senta. Hornets fans, it's time to get some new gear. The best selection of new and classic Hornets apparel is at the Hornets Fan Shop. Now with new extended hours. Stop by Spectrum Center Wednesday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. to pick up the latest in jerseys, Jordans, and more. Or you can shop from the comfort of your own home 24-7 with just a click of a button at HornetsFanshop.com. An easy trip on the light rail, you'll be sure to find something for everyone at the Hornets Fan Shop. 
It's a game day edition of the HHC. Rob Longo, Sam Farber, happy to have you along here on today's edition of the Hornets Hivecast. Of course, as always, presented by Senta. And Sam, this is a big one tonight against the Dallas Mavericks. The Mavericks have been really hot as of late. Of course, they will be on the second night of a back-to-back. The Mavs are in Philly tonight, taking on the Sixers, so a really difficult matchup there. And then, there's, of course, there is always some travel involved. And this is towards the end of an East Coast road swing that the Mavs are on. They started off this road trip in Houston and then made their way east to take on teams like Boston, like Brooklyn, like Philly, and now tonight against the Hornets. So before we get into our players and our keys to watch, what are you looking for overall, and what does this game mean for the Hornets? Well, I think it's a huge one for Charlotte because even though it's uh, you know part of a larger five-game homestand where there are more winnable games in theory on the slate, I think this one very much is a winnable contest for the Hornets given that Dallas is indeed on night two of a back-to-back. You've got to take advantage of these rest advantage contests. One's about two days off leading into this Dallas back-to-back nights. That's not a good recipe for success as well as Dallas has played all throughout the you know last month or so of the season, really since the All-Star break. They've just been on fire. But you look back to you know one of their more recent losses and you find that they come on back-to-back. They had a kind of a perplexing overtime loss to Oklahoma City that was not a back-to-back. They've lost to the Clippers, who are a solid team. They've lost to the Knicks, who are capable of coming up with a, a good game effort every once in a while. But the Orlando one caught my eye. That was night two of a back-to-back, so that's a bad team, a bad loss, despite the fact that Luka Doncic played reasonably well in that game. Had a triple-double reasonably well. He, he was great. So I think for Charlotte here, you know, taking advantage of the rest advantage here is key. You're trying to create some separation between yourself and Atlanta. The only way to do that is to win. You, you cannot rely on the Hawks to take a bunch more L's, and that's going to give you the breathing room you want. Uh, if you want to have some cushion between yourself and the 10 seed, you have to pick up W's, and this one seems right for the taking. All right, the roles are reversed a little bit. You're the guest today, technically, Sam, so I need players to watch for both sides and a stat. Where do you want to begin? Well, I haven't really been in this role in a, in a while, have I? I'm going to go with I'm going to go with a Hornet to watch first, and my pick is Miles Bridges. Miles has had a really strong few games here for Charlotte as of late. Uh, his three-point shooting is picked up over the last week or so. He's averaging somewhere around 20 points per game on the season. Three-point shooting is still down, relatively speaking, over the course of the season compared to previous years. But in the last three games, he's made 61% of his attempts from beyond the arch. So Miles Bridges, really strong performances here. I think he is someone that the Hornets are going to lean a little bit more heavily on. Also, it's just going to come to pass. He's going to get the Doncic matchup quite a few times out there. So it's on him to try and, A, slow down the Mavericks superstar, and, B, counteract whatever scoring he can provide with some of his own scoring out there on the floor. Fortunately, he's a hot hand right now. So Miles Bridges, my player to watch for tonight's game for the Hornets. Solid pick as always. I'm going to go with LaMelo Ball. I think LaMelo has just been playing some really good basketball as of late. In his last three games, he's done extremely well. And of course, those are the last three that the Hornets have won. You start back in that New Orleans game on the road. He ended up playing 31 minutes out there. The thing I loved about that is he's been doing a really good job taking care of the basketball. He only had one turnover in that contest. Then we go to Oklahoma City where he had three turnovers, and it gets a little bit more amplified because when I tell you that the Hornets had a season low in turnovers at five, it makes it sound a little bit bad for LaMelo. But regardless, I mean, anytime you're sitting there with the way that LaMelo plays and you're around two or three turnovers, I mean, I I feel like that's a little bit acceptable just because of the way that he plays the game. So finishes with 21 points in that contest as well, seven 
assists, five rebounds. Then we go to that Atlanta game where he just played phenomenal. He had three turnovers again, but the buck kind of stopped there with him in the first half. He had those three turnovers that all came in the first half, did a really good job in the second half, just playing really well despite being in a little bit of foul trouble, taking care of the basketball, finishes with 11 assists, eight rebounds, 22 points in that game. So I'm looking at LaMelo Ball tonight as my player to watch just because not only have those numbers been good, but his plus minus has been really good as well. A plus 14 against the Pelicans, a plus 20 against OKC where he only played 29 minutes, and then a plus 24 against Atlanta where he kind of shouldered the load a little bit. He played 36 minutes, which is a little bit higher than his average. So the way that LaMelo Ball has been playing as of late, I hope that that continues. I expect that to continue. Going to be a fun matchup between him and Luka Doncic, which brings us to our next topic. Are we going to go Mavs player to watch or are we going to go stat to watch, Sam? Let's go Mavs player to watch, and I'll take the uh, easy one off the board. I'm going to go Luka Doncic. Now, interesting wrinkle for this one. Hornets lost to Dallas earlier this year, 120-96, but Luka didn't play in that one. He was on the shelf for that game. The Hornets were without quite a few stars for that one as well particularly LaMelo Ball did not play in that matchup against the Mavericks. So I don't know that it's one for one. Luka Doncic is considered an MVP threat in the NBA. LaMelo Ball still in his ascendancy in terms of that type of chatter. But nevertheless, adding Luka Doncic to a Mavs team uh, that beat the Hornets by 24, you would think that would be enough to really pencil them in as the winner. But this is a different looking Mavs team than before. They're even more reliant, I think, on Doncic than they were in the past. A lot of the moves that they made, even though guys like Spencer Dinwiddie have had a good contest, they're made to further accentuate Luka. So uh, quite frankly, I'm shocked that of all those eight 50-point games in the month of March, Luka doesn't have one yet. So for Charlotte, the key is to keep him from having that kind of night. As he goes, so go the Mavericks in a lot of ways. You look at the games that they have struggled in in the month of March, it tends to be nights where he particularly struggles from three. That's a lot about him, less about what you're doing out there, because in the month of March, uh, leading into the recording of this podcast, he'd had seven games, only two of which he shot under 40% from beyond the arc. So got to make life difficult for him out there. Try and keep him under 40. You can do those two things. He does turn the ball over quite a bit. He'll give you opportunities to run out off that, uh, and Charlotte has to capitalize on them. But Luka Doncic, absolutely the player to watch for the Mavs. Yeah, hopefully he gets that 50-point game out of the way in Philly tonight. We are recording this one a little bit ahead of time, so hopefully he just gets that out of the way in a city of brotherly love. But for me, I'm glad you kind of took Luka because I'm going in a little bit of a different direction. You already referenced him. I'm going to say Spencer Dinwiddie. He has been phenomenal since the Mavs picked him up at the trade deadline. The whole Kristaps Porzingis thing, it just seemed like it wasn't really working out. Him and Luka Doncic just weren't really a good pairing for whatever reason. And Dinwiddie needed a change of scenery too. He wasn't playing particularly great with Bradley Beal in Washington. Now, when Bradley Beal went down, he started to produce a little bit more. But overall, Spencer Dinwiddie has been great in a Mavs uniform so far. If you go back to that Wednesday game in Brooklyn, hit that game winner, 22 points, 6 of 14 from the field. He was 8 for 8 from the free throw line. Since Spencer Dinwiddie has debuted for the Mavericks on February 15th, Dallas has been the best team in clutch time. They are 8-1 in clutch time during that span. That's the best record in the NBA. Before that, Dallas was 12-15 in clutch time. So I don't know what it is about Spencer Dinwiddie. I don't know it's because he's been hitting multiple game-winning shots, but for whatever is working, Spencer Dinwiddie has been really a game-changer for this Dallas Mavericks team. All right, one more thing to go with. It's stats. What are you looking at, Sam? You know, I really want to go pace of play because that is the stark difference between these teams. The Hornets love to get up and down. They're one of the fastest teams in the NBA in terms of pace of play. The Mavericks are dead last. They they would be fine 
dribbling the ball for 20 seconds and then handing it to Luka, let him try and make some magic happen in the final four of every shot clock and play like that. But I think that second-chance points are the key here tonight. Again, Dallas is a team that is willing to wager that if they get in a one-on-one game, Luka Doncic versus anybody you want, that Luka will win. So oftentimes that means they commit a lot more to getting back defensively, preventing those runouts. It means that they don't want more possessions in the game. They want fewer so Luka Doncic can control more of them. It means they commit a little less to the glass overall, particularly for their own offensive rebounding point of view. Charlotte is going to have a size advantage in this game. They've got a very good center over there for Dallas and Dwight Powell, who's kind of like in a Mason Plumlee mold. He does a lot of the dirty work. He does a lot of the screen setting. He is a very skilled big man. He can score, but he's not necessarily expected to score in bunches for them. But him versus Mason Plumlee, even if you say that's a wash, I don't know how the Mavs plan to contend with guys like P.J. Washington and Montrez Harrell. Maybe they bring Boban Marjanovic in for more minutes. Maybe they don't. But I think second chance points is a real opportunity here for Charlotte to get some extra possessions, get some extra looks at the basket, and make up for the brilliance that Luka Doncic has against really everyone in the NBA. He he is one of those elite few. Kerry Rozier, LaMelo Ball, Miles Bridges, they're all capable of matching him tonight, and I hope they will. But even if they don't match Luka Doncic's performance, if the Hornets hit the glass hard and win it by a sizable margin, they can still win this game, even if Luka Doncic does go for 40 or 50. On a similar note, I'm taking a look at three-point percentage. I know that Dallas is not very good from a league standpoint. They're 21st in three-point percentage in the NBA, but it goes back to what you talked about. If Luka Doncic can get hot from beyond New York, that's going to be trouble for Charlotte. You need to run him off the three-point line a little bit more. I know he's more than capable of hitting the mid-range, driving to the rim and creating contact and going to the free throw line, but I think it's kind of one of those things where you just kind of try to limit him from deep. I don't know if you go out and guard him 30 feet from the basket, but I think you maybe see a little bit of what the Hornets were able to do against Trey Young the other night against Atlanta. They were able to limit him extremely well. They held him to single digits, not letting him take uncontested threes, giving the ball up to somebody else, letting somebody else beat you. Now, the way that the Hawks shot the three-point shot in the first half, it almost happened because they were shooting extremely well, and then the Hornets were able to adjust at halftime, come out, and win that game just because of the way that the three ball wasn't falling for the Hawks in the second half. So for me, I'm taking a look at the three-point percentage. Obviously, you want it to be a little bit lower than your opponents. I don't know if you have the record off the top of your head, Sam, but it's a really big disparity when Charlotte is able to win the three-point percentage battle against its opponents this season. I'll say this. They lost it last game out and still won the game against the Atlanta Hawks. So, But but overall, yes, they are a much better team when winning that three-point makes matchup uh, than when they do not. Certainly a stat worth watching. And, and again, Luka Doncic ends up being the key for that one. He can be good. Having him be great can be a problem. He's always going to score somewhere between 20 and 30. I think that's a foregone conclusion most nights. But that's not enough to beat you. He's going to have to get contributions from Spencer Dinwiddie. He's going to have to get contributions from people who you know hit the glass and get them some easy second-chance points at times. But uh, the, the Hornets, I think, as these two teams are constituted right now, as they sit health-wise, as they sit rest-wise, A lot of advantages here for the Hornets. So I'm looking forward to it tonight, 7 o'clock. And if you can't 
be there with us. Tickets are available at Hornets.com. Do try and tune in either on the Hornets Radio Network or on Valley Sports Southeast. Going to be a fun one, Sam. Rest up that voice, drink some extra tea, and we'll see you later tonight. Sounds good, Rob. And thanks to all of you for tuning in today as well. Of course, we'll have a recap of this one here tomorrow on the HHC, wherever you get your podcasts. So for Sam Farber, I'm Rob Longo saying once again, thank you so much for joining us here today, and we'll see you tomorrow once again here on the Hornets Hivecast. Thank you for listening to the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. For more coverage, visit hornets.com.